0: with me to Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah chapter 7. I remember years ago um, being on break uh, at the steakhouse where I worked, and there was this fellow there that had moved from out of state, and uh, I, I just asked him, I said, I said uh, hey, uh, you know, I've enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you, um, let me ask you, um, do you know where you'd spend eternity if you were to die? And he said, no. I said, would you like to know? He said, yes. And so, uh, so I took a few minutes and I explained from the book of Romans uh, how he could come to faith in Christ. He bowed his head right there, gave his heart to Christ. And uh, uh, it, it, it was just so easy. God had prepared his heart. But he was prepared for eternity. In that brief little time, uh, everything changed in his life as far as his eternal destination. Uh, He now belonged to Jesus Christ. And uh, We need to point people to Jesus because that's the best way we could possibly prepare people for the future that is to come. Uh, Whatever may happen in this life, Jesus is the one who can sustain us through it, but even more so, Jesus is the only way we get to heaven, so we need to point people to Jesus. And um, In this scripture, Nehemiah has finished the wall, Uh, now he's installing the doors, and uh, and then he begins to appoint new leaders, and uh, uh, he has a strategy for protecting the city and so forth, and uh, all of these things are things we still do today. I mean, we, uh, we, we do all of these things. Um, but I want to look today at the spiritual importance of this. In other words, what is it that is being anticipated in Nehemiah's rebuilding of this city? Because ultimately, yes, it was a place for the people of God in that day to have some security and to to uh, lose their disgrace in the eyes of their neighbors and so forth. But there was a spiritual purpose. And that spiritual purpose was to draw the people of God uh, to him and help them walk more closely with him and under his blessing. And so Nehemiah, as he rebuilds the wall, uh, he is helping to facilitate these things. One of the things he does, he appoints uh, singers, he appoints Levites. Uh, These are worship-related things. And, um, and he is preparing them to use this city as a way to honor and bless the name of the Lord. And it just uh, draws our minds under the new covenant uh, to the ultimate new Jerusalem that God is preparing for his people. And uh, this is the one that the old Jerusalem anticipates. Um, God loves the present city of Jerusalem, but the future city of Jerusalem is going to be uh, the place where we worship for all eternity. And so I saw several things in this scripture that reminded me of that and the importance of preparing others for the future. You and I are not building a wall around a city. uh, And uh, we are not part of a physical nation that is the people of God, but we are part of the spiritual people of God. And we can help other people prepare uh, for the spiritual future that is yet to come, just as Nehemiah helps the people of this day to prepare for their future. And so uh, the time of my my message is preparing others for the future. And uh, we need to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And look with me at verse 1 of Nehemiah 7. It says, when the wall had been rebuilt and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, a commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, do not open the gates of Jerusalem until the sun is hot, and let the doors be shut and securely fastened while the guards are on duty stationed the citizens of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some at their homes. The city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and no houses had been built yet. Then God put it into my mind to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be registered by genealogy. I found the genealogical record of those who came back first and found the following written in it. And I'm not going to read through all these names of this genealogy, but we are going to talk about the significance and importance of it. Uh, So preparing others for the future. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to point to the door. We need to point to the door. The first verse, he says, I I established or I installed. I think my translation says installed. Literally, the word is I established the doors. So uh, he put them in. Not only did he put them in, he reinforced them. I mean, these, these were good, strong Uh, doors uh, that he had prepared to keep the city secure. Uh, Jesus, in the New Testament, says, I am the door. Those who enter through me will be saved. You see, Nehemiah's door was intended to open to allow the people of God to come in. But it was intended to be shut to keep those that were the enemies of God out. And so... uh, we have greeters in our church, don't we? And, and they're good. Uh, I've got one of them sitting right here. <laughs> but uh, what do greeters do? Well, they greet and welcome the people as they come in. They also point the way, right? If, you, if somebody needs to know where the restroom is, they can point them in that direction. Somebody needs to know, hey, I'm looking for a Sunday school class. They can point them in the right direction. Uh, they are a greeter, and they point the way. That's what we as Christians are called to do, is to point the way uh, to the door, that is Jesus. Uh, He is the way into heaven, there is no other way, there's just one door, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, in in our culture, that's not very popular. Uh, It's a whole lot more popular to say, well, there are many doors, and it doesn't really matter which door you choose as long as you are sincere have you ever heard that well it sounds good on the surface but it is just a lie the bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved if we could be saved any old way then god sending jesus to die was a pointless exercise uh Jesus himself, he said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. Uh, Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And so there was no other way. There was no way for the cup of God's wrath to pass from Jesus. It had to come upon Jesus. uh, And Jesus was God's only solution. He needed an infinite son to bear an infinite penalty uh, so that you and I could be forgiven, an infinite consequence, uh, and, and and that's what happened with Jesus. And so there is no other way. There is one way. Uh, Jesus Himself said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." So point to the door. Point to point to Jesus. If you want to prepare somebody for the future, point. To Jesus uh, I used to do that with my kids when they were little I, I didn't want to try to make a decision for them or try to pressure them in any way but I did want them to know it and so I would talk to them about it all the time when they were little and I would I would what did Jesus do he he died and he rose and uh, and you know we we make a choice to turn from our sin and and uh, we trust in Jesus and you know these basic details and and trying to help them understand that and it took a while they, I mean it, they didn't they they confused for a while they were confusing work salvation with repentance and uh, but I just kept pointing to the door pointing to the door uh, to Jesus in their lives and and sometimes we have to do that with our friends uh, there are some people that you know that will not come to Christ the first time you talk to them they just simply won't Um, sometimes there'll be much prayer involved sometimes there'll be multiple conversations involved Um, and sometimes you got to show people that you love them and uh, and be patient with them so that God can work on their heart and bring them to that place but you keep pointing them to the door now you may have to do it if they're not very open you may have to do it in a very uh, kind of a subtle way and uh, hey have you thought about Jesus lately are you ready to talk about him or something along those lines but we keep pointing people to the door. And, uh, and that is such, a, such an important thing. So, um, Nehemiah, is, he mentions the door in the last chapter. And I was thinking about this. Why would you, why would you mention the door all the time? You know, he's, I haven't got the doors installed yet, he says in, in, in chapter 6. And uh, that was part of the historical detail. But I thought it was interesting. Why not just say you completed the walls? Why talk about the doors specifically? And I think, I think there's a picture here that God intends to bring to anticipate the things that are yet to come. And so, um, all of the scripture we know looks forward to and anticipates Jesus Christ in some way. And I think this is a good way. So, we point to the door. So, preparing for the future, uh, preparing others for the future, how do you do that? Well, you point to the door. Secondly, you explain the options. You explain the options. If you look in verse 1, he says, uh, When the wall had been rebuilt and I had the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. Now, the gatekeepers were to keep people out that weren't supposed to be in, right? So uh, you had those who were supposed to be in the city, the the Jewish people, uh, who, who were going to live in the city of Jerusalem. And then you had others, such as the enemies that have been given Nehemiah a hard time the whole time he's been building the wall. They are to be kept on the outside of the wall. And the gatekeepers, he gives them very specific instructions. You need to wait. Don't, don't, don't open the gates until the sun is hot. Uh, we don't want people sneaking through. We want to be alert. We want to watch and make sure. Uh, so these gatekeepers were put there, but also... He appoints singers and Levites. Well, some said, well, they, they were just being flexible. They were being put out there to kind of help the gatekeepers. Well, perhaps so. But I think uh, this also anticipates the fact that people were going to be coming to the city to worship. Uh, when, when the children, the, you remember in the, in the Psalms, they have these Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent's. The reason they call them Psalms of Ascents is because when you would go up to the city of Jerusalem, it was an ascent. You were walking up towards the city, and so the whole way, you would be singing these songs of ascent. a great preparation, great picture. Hey, prepare for worship. Don't just come to worship in the morning. Uh, Have some time with God first. Prepare your heart first, and then when you get there, you'll have a better experience. Uh, But... um, These songs of ascents would be sung and then Psalm 100 tells us we enter in to his gates with thanksgiving, right, the gates of the city, and then to his courts with praise. What are the courts? The courts of the temple. And so this progress of entering into God's presence would happen through thanksgiving and praise. So I think Nehemiah is establishing this this system that they were going to use uh, for worship. So I talked about explaining the options. Well, there's, there's just two options. Either you are part of the ones that are being kept out by the gatekeepers, or you're part of the ones that are coming in for worship. Just, just two options. Those are, those are the two options. And, of course, you become those who are coming in for worship uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by becoming a child of God. But I think this, this picture also reminds us, and what a great reminder at the time of Thanksgiving, that as God's people, one of our chief characteristics as God's people is to be a people of thanksgiving and praise. It should be at the core of who we are as God's people to, to thank Him. I mean, he's, he's paid an infinite price for our sin. Uh, every day we live, we ought to thank Him for it. Uh, Every every day that we live, we ought to thank Him for other good things that He has done and and praise Him for His goodness. Uh, This is what we're going to do in heaven. The Scripture describes the people coming into the New Jerusalem and at the center of the city in the New Jerusalem, God the Father reigns and God the Son at His right hand and all of the peoples of the world are worshiping. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You see, either you're allowed into the city or you're excluded from the city. Those are the options. Either you're the people of worship or you're the people who are rejected. There's no middle ground. So we've got to explain the options to people. And that's not popular either, right? People, don't, people want to be told that no matter what they do, uh, they will be accepted by God. You know, uh, I had a, a pastor friend in Texas who had been going to funerals of, of lost people. And he was kind of expressing frustration one day. He'd been hearing people say at these funerals that these people are in a better place. He said, they're not in a better place. They're in hell. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a sobering thing to think about. It's something we don't want to think about, but it is a reality. And it's not that God wants people to go to hell. But if we refuse Jesus Christ, who is our only provision, uh, then the judgment of God and the justice for our sins, the, that our sins deserve, will be carried out upon us. And, um, and so we, we need to help people to understand that there's just two options. Uh, to be a people of God or to be the people under God's judgment, who are excluded from the blessings of heaven. So uh, preparing others for the future, how do you do it? Well, we need to point to the door. Secondly, we need to explain the options. Thirdly, we need to teach them to tremble. We need to teach them to tremble. Look at verse 2. Then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem, along with Hananiah or Hananiah, um, commander of the fortress, because he was a faithful man. Literally, The Hebrew says he was a man of truth. Okay? He was a man of truth who feared God more than most. When I think about this, I think about the fact that this man, had apparently he was a man of truth. And yes, that can mean that you're faithful. Right? If you tell the truth, you're faithful. But I don't think that's what this is talking about here. I think this is talking about a man who was committed to the truth of God's Word. He was, he was a man of the book. He was a man of the Bible. And, uh, and because he was, he had learned to fear God. Now, you say, well, we're under the new covenant. We're under grace. We're not under law. We don't have to tremble. And that's true. We don't, we don't have to worry about the wrath of God. But I think that there should be a measure of awe and trembling before the Word of God. There should be a, a sense... This, this is not just any book that we hold in our hands when we come to church uh, or when we sit in our personal quiet time. This is the Word of the living God. It's the Word that tells the truth about all things. Did you know... Listen, you turn on the TV, you hear a lie a minute. I mean, it's it's crazy, the deception in this world. and It, it makes sense because... The enemy is in charge of this world, isn't he? So how do we find the truth? We find the truth in the pages of Scripture. What about how to live a wise life? We find that information in the Scripture. But most of all, we find the way of salvation in the Scripture. And uh, Nehemiah did a very wise thing. He appointed to leadership somebody who took God's Word seriously. Somebody who trembled at the Word of God. And who feared God. Now, I don't think as Christians we fear God in a way that, um, uh, as though we're under his wrath, but we should fear him in the sense that he is a faithful discipline, uh, a faithful disciplinarian. If he knows that we need discipline, he won't hesitate to supply it. He's not a pushover, he's not a chump, he's not afraid to uh, discipline us. When we need it now i don't, I don't believe he brings discipline just for the pleasure of it. I think he only does it when he knows we need it, but if we need it, he will bring it, and we need to have a healthy fear of that. I don't want to be under the discipline of God. I have been under the discipline of God at times in my life, and it's not something i want to want to uh increase in my life or uh continue in at all so um we need to confess our sin, we need to repent of it, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us repent of it if we're, if we're in sin, and then we need uh, to, once again, live a life pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and so, uh, when, when we take God's Word seriously, we value the things of God's Word, Right? You guys are, are here on a Sunday night. That's not the only uh, measure of whether or not you take God's Word seriously. You you could be here for a variety of reasons. But but generally, if you're here in our society on a Sunday night, uh, chances are you love the Word of God. Um, if a person says they love God's Word, but they never spend time in it in their personal uh, time uh, in their own personal lives, and if they never, uh, or only occasionally, let's say I come to church twice a year, whether I need it or not, or I come once a month. A lot of people nowadays come once a month. I'm not trying to to be critical of somebody. I'm just saying, if you really care about something, I mean, if I if I told my wife, well, I really care about you, so I'll see you uh, one hour once a month. You think she'd believe me? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, if we truly have a desire for the, the Word of God, if we truly take God's Word seriously, we're not going to sit it on a shelf to collect dust. I remember there was a little boy that uh, had gotten saved in Bible school when I was pastoring in Texas, and I went to his house, and uh, his parents were like, oh, yeah, we read the Bible all the time, and and, uh, uh, and they said, son, go get the Bible and uh and so he's going back and he, you know, I could hear him kind of rummaging around back there trying to find I can't find it anywhere you know what's well, right back there it's in the closet you know okay yeah finally looks he yells back he says it's all covered with dust <laughs> and I could it's everything I could do to keep from cracking up try to keep a straight face but uh but isn't that the way it is a lot of the time, you know? And so, um, teach people to tremble at God's Word. One of the most moving things I've seen, a few years back, we did a Sunday school training, and um, it was a DVD thing, and this lady who worked with preschoolers uh, was talking about how they introduced toddlers to the Word of God. And uh, they had this little little Bible that is written on a kid's level, and uh, this little girl, she was, I think, maybe two and a half or three, so she's not at reading age or anything, but but she was talking to this little girl, and she said, uh, I'll call her Andrea. Andrea, this, you know what this is? No. Oh, this is a very special book. This is God's word. This is what God said. This is God's, word of love to us God told us that he loves us in this book and God gave us this book as his special treasure and the little girl took the bible from her put it to her face and went like this I I just about lost it (laughs) wow they're teaching them the value of God's word aren't they and from that young age that, that little bitty age teaching them to value the Word of God. Um, The Scripture, I think, when it becomes a part of our life and it becomes a part of our conversation and people see the difference, I think it causes them to listen a little bit more. But even more so, when a person comes to know Jesus Christ personally, it causes them to view God's Word differently. I remember my dad sharing with me, um, he was 27 years old when he was saved, and he said before when I when I would try to read the Bible, he said it just, it was boring to me, I never could get anything out of it, he said it was just uh, kind of a misery, <laughs> you know, to read it, he said I just, and so I, I just never did read it, Never never had anything to do with it, even though he was in church, and at, 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 for a season of time before he, he was saved. Um, but he said, when I gave my life to Christ, he said, it's like the word of God opened to me. For the first time in my life, there was, there was meaning. It's not that I understood everything, but you know, I just had this desire. And so um, that is part of it as well. When you, introduce, when you point to the door, When you explain the options and you tell people this is this is what you need to do, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they make that decision, it helps them learn to value God's word. Uh, But when you begin to tell people also, and I think this is one very important thing about fellowship in the church, how do we learn to value God's word? Oftentimes I think we learn to value God's word by hearing what God is doing through His word in the lives of other people. Um, there was a, there was an issue uh, at one time where uh, one of my kids was in a situation uh, of danger which I won't get into but um, <clears throat> I was praying to God I was concerned and and uh, was was uh, thinking about how to approach the situation, and so forth. And I was reading in my quiet time, and I came across this verse, and it says, uh, the children of God's faithful will be held secure. Well, I knew, this This wasn't like I was doing the, the finger point. I This was exactly where I was supposed to read for that day. In, in my, I was reading through the Psalms, And I came to that psalm on this particular day when I needed that encouragement, that specific encouragement from God. And I knew it came from God. So guess what I did? I went downstairs and I said, let me show you something. Here's what I read this morning. (laughs) I cried, and I pointed to it. And I said, what do you think about that? And this just this past week there was there was somebody I think it was on Facebook that was was sharing how they had been struggling and they, God gave me this verse that dealt was and it, that blessed me I thought wow that is that is so encouraging and so good and I was blessed by it but you know as we share those things if you come to a Sunday school class and you're sharing those things, here's what God did in my life this week guess what this other person sees how God's using his word in your life. And it causes them to recognize the importance of God's word. So I think, I think these are some ways that we do this. And you can, you can even pray, God help me to teach my kids or my grandkids or my, my, my Sunday school class. Lord, is that, help me to be an influence so that people will tremble at your word. And will recognize just how awesome God's word is. I was, uh, my son's been taking a Bible class at, uh, in college where he's been, he's been going to college and, um, we were talking about some of the things he'd been studying and, uh, he said, I don't want to, I don't want to take too much of your time talking about this. I said, I said, this is what I love. You're not bothering me a bit. (laughs) I said, this is, this is, uh, this is my meat and potatoes. I said something along those lines. Anyway, uh. And, and I, I said, you know, I found God's word is is a many layered treasure. All these years I've been studying God's word, I think, you know, I've been to, I've been through this scripture before. I've, I've uh, looked at this, looked at the uh, uh, language before, and I've considered these things before. Every time I come to it, God reveals something, and and helps me to see a different facet of the diamond. <laughs> It it is so amazing what God has given to us in His Word. More important than any newspaper article you could ever read. More important than any uh, law of the government or any uh, important document of history. The Word of God is a Word that actually changes us. Tremble in awe before it. You remember? Do uh, you remember uh, the the old Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark? You remember he goes into the tunnel, and he's he's got him a bag of sand, and you know they've they've had the darts and everything. That, well, I think the, maybe the darts come later. Anyway, but he's got the he's got the bag of sand, and he's coming he's coming into this this room where there's this idol, and he, he he's got the bag of sand. He's trying to measure it out so it will weigh exactly the same. But you can see his hands are shaking. Now, probably because he sees some of the things that have happened there in the cave. But, but uh, there's this sense of anticipation. He's about to get this artifact. Finally, he, he switches it out, and you know the rest of the story. He's running from the boulder and all of that. But um, this sense of, of, of trembling with anticipation, I think that's the way we ought to come to the Word of God. Uh, with a sense of anticipation, this incredible treasure, more than any gold that we could ever receive, here is a treasure from God Himself. So, uh, I, I think that's a great way to prepare people for the future, because it will point them to Jesus, ultimately, but also it will teach them how to live a productive Christian life and a joyful, meaningful Christian life while we wait for Jesus coming. So it's a great way to prepare people uh, for the future. So preparing others for the future, point to the door, explain the options, teach them to tremble, teach them to remember. Teach them to remember. Verse 5 then God put it into my mind to assemble the nobles, officials, and the people to be registered by genealogy. And I found the genealogical record of those who came back first, and I found the following written in it. And so he's, he's talking about the genealogy here. <clears throat> I remember when I was a teenager, I had a friend named Freddie. And Freddie was a relatively new Christian. He came to church one Sunday. He said, he said, Roger, he said I was reading so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. He said, I went through a whole chapter of that. I don't even know what begat means. And, uh, and that's a lot of people, you know, you're, you're frustrated. Well, why would God even put this in the Bible? And that's kind of the way people think about this. But, but there's a reason for the genealogies. The genealogies show that God has been faithful to his promises. And so we need to remember the promises of God. So we teach others to remember. That's one of the best ways to prepare people for the future. Uh, Abraham received the promise of God. I'll make you a great nation. Multitudes of people will come from you. Well, how do we know that? The book of Numbers. All right? Uh, God made them into a great nation. And you see all these names rattled off in the book of Numbers. And you see God has indeed multiplied the people of Israel God brought them into the land yes we see that but here you also see a promise what did God tell them in Deuteronomy he said you're not going to listen to my law you're going to rebel and you're going to do the very thing I warned you not to do in my law and I'm going to send you into captivity he said but after a while in captivity when your heart has been turned away from these idols you will once again call upon me And I'll bring you back to this land, and I'll restore you. And I will once again have a purpose for my people. So as as Nehemiah dusts off these old genealogies, what is he doing? He's saying, this is the record of the fulfillment of the promises of God. Uh, There's an evangelist I heard years ago who was talking about... uh, falling under the attack of the evil one and how he was saying uh, to, to basically putting in his, into his mind you know your ministry has not accomplished anything anything for God you're you're failing and you're you're not and and he said I he said I opened my Bible he said and in my Bible I had each I had this practice of every time somebody would come to faith in Christ I would jot their name in my Bible And I began to read over all the names of the people who had been changed through the gospel as I preached the word of God. And he said, my heart was refreshed and the lie of the enemy was exposed. You see, these genealogies showed that God had indeed kept his word. But also, it taught them to anticipate that God would keep his word in the future. when, when you are a new Christian, you begin to learn to pray, right? And God begins to answer some prayers and you begin God builds your faith. And, but there come those times when you when you uh, reach a certain point where God will not necessarily answer the prayers that you want him to answer. God may have a reason uh, and, and there may be a reason, a, a time of testing or whatever the case may be. But you have, because you have experienced the faithfulness of God in the past, you have the faith as God sustains you in that faith through his Holy Spirit to trust him that God will keep his promises in the future. So um, we teach people to remember. And that is one of the important things about thanksgiving as well, right? Because we remember the things God has done for us. In everything, give thanks. Why? Because thanks reminds us of what God's done. Causes us to remember. And as we remember, it builds our faith. And we trust Him for the future. God was not done with the people of Israel and He's not done with us. And as we remember those things, it will remind us to trust God for what He desires to do in our lives in the future. But also, as we talk about bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ, they need to know what those promises are. Right? Did you know that I'm not saved by my feelings. And neither are you. Uh, I've heard people say, well, if you don't have the goosebumps, you don't, know, you don't know Christ, you've not been born again. Where's that in the Bible? I've not, I've got, not got anything against goosebumps, okay? There have been a few times I've had them. But goosebumps are not the measure of whether or not you're going to heaven. You can have a spiritual experience that is a counterfeit. We don't base Our salvation on our experience, we base our salvation on what God has said. And so we teach people to remember what God has said. Well, what has God said? All of sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, God shows his own love for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what is his promise? If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Then a few verses later he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How? Calling upon God in faith. That's what the context of that scripture is about. It's a promise of God. Listen, I'm not going to come... Uh, to the gates of heaven someday and and asked to come in based on an experience. I had an experience, but I'm not coming based on that. I'm coming based upon the promise of God. This is what God has said. This is what God has promised, and I put my trust in his word, and I put my trust in my Savior who said that he would save me if I would trust in him, and uh, this is the basis for our hope. So we teach people to remember. Teach People who are lost, what the promises of God and His Word are, so that they can have something to hold on to. If they haven't experienced, great. Whether they have an experience or not, their experiences may be different. But, but that promise cannot fail. If we fulfill the condition of that promise, the result of that promise will always be the same, right? So uh, teach them to remember and remind yourself to remember. <laughs> sometimes I have to do that. I said, Lord, you know, I've kind of lost my perspective here. Uh, and uh, sometimes you just have to begin to go back and say, okay, here's what God did in the past. Thank you, Lord, for, for doing this. And, and you remind yourself of what God has done. So uh, great way to prepare others for the future. You can prepare yourself for the future in that way. But uh, preparing others for the future, how do you do it? Well, you need to point to the door. You need to explain the options. You need to teach them to tremble and you need to teach them to remember. And as Nehemiah did this, uh, he prepared the people to take the next steps they needed to take in their walk with God. Uh, And so, um, as you you and I do that, uh, we'll help others take those next steps. And uh, whether it's a step of salvation, putting their faith in Christ, or whether it's a step of uh, continuing on in their walk with God and go, taking the next step, whatever that may be. Uh, and if you're here tonight, and I know we're mostly uh, church folks here tonight, maybe, uh, maybe there aren't any uh, people who haven't trusted Christ, but I never take that for granted because I used to sit on a pew thinking I was a believer, when in fact I was an unbeliever. And so I always want to in, uh, issue the in, invitation. Uh, if you don't know Christ, the Bible says Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. And so if you'd like to uh, make a decision today to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus uh, on the authority of God's word, uh, he'll save your soul here tonight. So if you'd like to do that, I'll be standing here at the front. If you need to commit yourself um, to to help prepare others, maybe you've not been doing that. Uh, this this altar is open. If you need prayer, I'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to prepare others for the future. God, let us be your hands and feet. Um, let us point to Jesus and uh, remind people of what the options are and, and remind them of your promises, God. And, and, and God, just fill us with your Spirit and enable us uh, to, to point people effectively to Jesus Christ. And Lord, let us see a harvest, let us see the baptismal water stirred in this church. And uh, let people be changed in this community through the faithfulness of your people as we prepare others for their future.